0: Good time of your day, humans, and welcome back to Kate's Bunker. I apologize for the background noise. I'm doing an incredibly disrespectful thing. I'm recording upstairs in a uh, house that has a music room downstairs uh, because I don't feel like walking down three flights of stairs. My apologies, Uh, but I am tired. So there is that. Uh, So... Welcome back. Uh, This episode is a interview with my good friend and uh, open mic co-host veteran, I would say. Uh, Mike O'Donnell is my compatriot veteran uh, co-host of the fabled open mic in Philadelphia, Comedy is Liberty. Also, this is the first in the Uh, Philly comedy trifecta is uh, probably the most accurate thing for me to call it. Um, Philly comedy took up solid 8 to 10 years of my life, so I figured uh, three episodes should uh, cover an adequate amount of it, so I have two other interviews recorded that I'm really excited to share with you. Uh, As always, uh, Kate's Bunker Season 1, all podcast platforms and audible. And then we have Kate's Bunker Live uh, alternating Tuesday at 10 o'clock Eastern on uh, Comedy Hub Live Network on Twitch. And I haven't heard that name in years. This thing you're listening to right now exists. And you should listen to the rest of it and listen to all of it. Welcome back. Here's my memoir.
1: Welcome back to I Haven't Heard That Name in Years. This is Hannah Harkness speaking, your fearless, lazy um, memoir person um that is uh instead of writing a book uh just publishing the interviews that would normally necessitate writing a book (laughs) but hey uh i am now here uh this is part of the uh trifecta series of uh, philly Philly comedies getting three episodes because it was like something like eight to ten years uh, so this is the comedy is liberty episode. Comedy is liberty is an open mic uh, that I ran with my co-host and guest today, uh, Mike O'Donnell. Hi, Mike.
2: <laughs> hey, man! Great to uh, catch up. Yeah, Great to, uh, you know, be part, kind of reminisce, talk about the state of Philly comedy during that time, and mm-hmm. like how we became connected and everything else. So yeah, look yeah. forward.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, so. Um, when we so I I actually remember meeting you. I don't know if you remember meeting me, but it was a comedy train wreck gig at Curran's, and it actually might have been like my first booked bar show. That was a straight stand up showcase because I was like performing in like variety shows before that, and I had like performed at music open mics and stuff, and like open for Rocky Horror. But I wasn't performing with other stand ups until uh, I I don't even remember how Jim Corhan found me. Um,
2: Yeah, I was just going to ask, how did he come across? Because I know that Andre, so Andre Bennett, a filmmaker friend of mine, who will definitely be brought up later, Mm -hmm. uh, was friends with Jim at, um, not WKRP, that's that's a TV show, Uh, (laughs) KYW. KYW. They both did stuff at KYW and knew each other, and Jim was looking to... Uh, put on some comedy shows, and Andre knew me as a stand up. And then, yeah, that's when I first met you when you were going by short stack back in those days.
1: Yep, yep. No, we are definitely in the uh, the short stack block of the podcast. Uh these are being <laughs> yeah. these interviews are uh, these interviews are being released kind of in chronological order of uh what time period I'm talking about. So we are like smack in the short stack years. Uh it, it's been already been a couple of years cuz that was like my goth scene name and like BDSM like cause, like back in the day with the uh, the like BDSM goth type scenes, uh nobody used their real name. Um, and a lot of them still have insane names. So,
2: okay. But if I, if I remember, was that like a kid nickname that you just, that you just kept or did you create that for the BDSM world?
1: I created it and it was it was also not even for that you know honestly you have to take it back farther because that was a what i was using on comic book message boards and the joke was that i was short and stacked like i was just short and had big boobs um but it was also just like kind of like oh you did a wacky little short scrappy person running around kind of a you know nickname but that was my screen name for a while on uh, brian michael bendis's mess board message board the comic book author um he used to have like a yeah he used to a message board in the early odds that a lot of other comic creators were on like warren ellis and Mike o- michael oming and david mack and a whole bunch of other people um were all like it was kind of like both creators and fans that were on this message board so it was my screen name on there and then it was just like kind of my scene name which is like if you're like a club kid type then that's a thing too
2: right yeah yeah known uh, as uh, mm. aka also known as exactly yeah yeah,
1: yeah absolutely you know like the club the club like Michael Alex club kids they're all like James St. James you know all these other like wacky nicknames So, and that's who everybody was like trying to imitate in the goth scene um, but yeah, I was short stack. Um, I, I'm i gonna assume that the Jim Corhan connection was something through Facebook where like, a, a, like an aunt or something. I, I bet it was something through like one of the Rocky Horror people that lives in the Northeast that was like, hey, this guy's booking comedians, you know, maybe you guys should connect or something like that like I I can't think of another way like maybe I was in like some contest or like one of those things at, like an open mic or something and he saw me like I have no idea um
2: yeah that's funny that's funny but yeah I remember uh I remember those shows uh <laughs> they were such a hodgepodge of ridiculousness oh of different God. things he we was <laughs> trying to put together but uh sometimes it worked sometimes it didn't but it was always but yeah it was a good time and uh, it was fun, it was, it was a fun group. Like, uh, mm-hmm. and it was definitely connected to when I started. So Comedy is Liberty was born. So uh, I don't know if you remember, uh, there, there's a thing down in Philly called, um, oh, what is it called? It's like a PBS kind of a thing um, that Comcast would help funding and they would have a christmas party every year and it was the guy at the christmas party uh who and another guy who i was friends with uh through filmmaking uh saying that he wanted to do this open mic at liberties that there was a new owner at liberties the place was called liberties it was uh this bar in um northern liberty like you know northern liberty spring garden area and uh uh, you know, changed ownership. They were looking to do new things. And this guy did a open mic before that uh, Karen Ozark hosted. So it was, um, so that that's how, so then me and Karen were, you know, we knew each other from the scene years ago. So I got with this guy and I was like, all right, you know, it, it was like kind of a perfect time to, to start. It was like 2012. And I was like, uh, it was just a great outlet to keep sharp to, and then just have something on the scene. There wasn't really at the time uh a functional regular open mic on Wednesdays uh and it was just a Wednesday kind of the perfect thing to start you know
1: yeah and I I remember I think I might have even shown up at like the first one um because at this point I knew you through those uh those comedy train wreck gigs which by the way I I'm suddenly conjuring an image of a comedy train wreck thing what was that weird catering hall um Thing where he like set up a curtain like in the middle of the room, but it, it, like it, it was like there was like wasn't there like like some kind of like modular stage he did where there was like a red curtain set up in the middle of the room and like a box you were standing on. Um, when you know. Oh movies. yeah, I mean
2: it was definitely like it, like what? Jim had a thing. If there wasn't a stage, he didn't like the comics being on the floor, which I yeah. give him credit for that. I give him credit so, for that too. So like, if, if there was nothing, he would try to build some kind of temporary whatever type mm-hmm. of situation um and you know sometimes like like everything with uh, comedy trend, like sometimes it worked and sometimes it did not but yeah, yeah uh i believe there was like some mobile stages and that's the thing there were generations of this like generation one and then th- that would get improved upon and then that would get improved upon you know yeah. so uh yeah that was funny of uh of them just always trying to have some kind of a thing to step up uh yeah and it was just show. like
1: and, and it was always like he he was more chaotic with locations than pretty much any other producer i've ever met i'm pretty sure he led the charge on crazy cow comedy club uh which was the the thing that was over that ice cream store in maniunk that was also kind of poorly run um oh I, that was chaos yeah that was it was. Chaos, but at
2: the same time a lot of fun, too. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and you know,
1: no, people, st- if there was one thing he could do, it was butts in seats, and then another thing he could do is just find the most implausible rooms in Philadelphia and somehow still <laughs> butts in seats. Like, I, I think I've worked, at, I mean, VFW halls are fine, like, whatever, but, like, I've worked with the VFW halls with him and, like... I'm pretty sure diners and but I'm remembering this one really weird like large Italian catering hall and I and it's driving me crazy um I, I
0: don't know. We'll, f- we'll figure it out. Yeah, I
2: can't, I can't think of the name. I mean, I think Grays Pub was the place he did the most. Yeah. Uh, Comedy Trainwreck shows. And that kind of had an interesting layout, but I mean, it was okay. I did pretty well there multiple times. I know yeah. you've done well, too, and we're booked there, too. Right. Uh, but, yeah, like, any place that had any kind of, like, side catering uh, mm-hmm. room, you know, where people could have, like, rehearsal dinners uh, for weddings and yeah. stuff like that. He would he would like kind of hawk on and be like, hey, can we do a, can we do something here? Can we do something there? And yeah. I mean, just from uh, his people, I mean, he's uh, I think he's Mayfair area. So I mean, that's kind of where yeah. most of is. But he also had connections with. Like, um, I think he knows the Roboten family too uh, oh, beforehand. Yeah. Like so, like, the, when he was booking Roboten, Roboten would bring a bunch of people too. It was that kind of an interesting factor as well. And, yeah. And Roboten were very connected to Comedy's Liberty. I, I remember one of the best memories. Right. And we'll get into the best memories. We were super too.
1: close. Yeah. No, we were super close friends. I mean, Rick Roboten's a Philly comic. He's awesome. Uh, we were super close friends for a while. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to, like, back, backtrack for half a second without, like, that's just, I realized those weird venues i loved getting booked in northeast philly i think it takes you it takes you outside because there's definitely clicks in philly comedy and the northeast philly even comedy cabaret uh as objectively bad as uh a, a room in the side of motel six on the boulevard can be um uh <laughs> is still a party honestly um you just drink the $3 it, i mean that is the, what, what,
2: <laughs> what's crazy is that that was the only game in town for as long as it was it was yeah. literally the Laugh house was the only place in philadelphia yeah. and like in philadelphia proper and mm-hmm. then comedy cabaret which had like six or seven rooms scattered throughout South Jersey they had a room in I think they still have a room in Doylestown Yeah
1: they still have the Doylestown uh, over the Mexican restaurant and then they have Northeast right. Philly inside of the Motel 6 again you know honestly the producers that are best at butt the, butts and seats are also the most outside the box for venues they're not trying to go anywhere cool that's how they make it work
2: <laughs> right, because you yeah. keep overhead low, and you're just like, all right, if you can only just go to some place, you know, uh, like, pretty close to you, and, and the talent is pretty good, uh yeah. generally, you're, you're you're okay, you and know? Like parking,
1: yeah, and, like, parking, yeah, and just, like, parking and accessibility and all that kind of shit, you know? And also, like, how much else do you think the local residents have to do that night anyway? Because in Northeast Philly, I think the plans are usually just drink somewhere else, if not there. Um, so why not do comedy? Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, there, and there's also like, I mean, for the comics, it definitely works because you generally expand your repertoire because mm-hmm. as you know, what works in center city rooms doesn't always work in suburb rooms and everything else. Nope. And you kind of, you know, nope. you hone your skills mm-hmm. and it just, and as you grow as a comedian, you learn, you know, what works in one part of the country doesn't work in other parts of the country, you know what I'm saying? So it's all about like building and what works where and everything else. Uh, but you know, being sharp, uh, and getting that stage time in front of different audiences so you could rock out anyone, you know?
1: Yeah, dope. Um, it was, yeah, yeah I'm just, I was grateful for those gigs kind of getting my uh, first foot in the door because then Comedy is Liberty was kind of like how everyone got, a, a, one of the ways everyone got to know me because I have a, I have a habit of burying myself, but because I could draw everybody in with an open mic, I just managed to network and meet people and people were able to see like, oh, you can host. Oh, you are not bad at comedy. You know, like that that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It was an introvert trap to... Um, getting booked uh, and also just a blast to host. Um, so how about you describe the the physical layout of the room when we because like the, it was the se- like the second time I think is when you were like I need someone to help me run this and I was sitting next to you and just went I'll do it and then we yeah. hosted it for like eight years um and <laughs> I know I
2: know it's so funny how that worked where I was like man. I need someone to help me with this. And you just were like, I mean, "You're right there." You're just yeah. like, "I'll do that." Yeah, and, and yep. then, yeah. It, it's and then it just went
1: forever. Yeah. Worked, like-
2: <laughs> so, all right. So, the new owner he bought the place called Liberties, and we were upstairs, mm-hmm. and it was a, it was like a little, you know, first floor bar, uh, standard kind of row house type bar situation with tables on the Mm -hmm. left and the bar on the right side when you walk in and then you just go up the steps made a left and then go through another like little uh room where there was a bar and then up up two steps and then there was just like uh church pews in the beginning uh (laughs) that that we turned around and had everybody sit in church pews and it was like a a open mic church room yeah it did it did look like church it had a bunch of mirrors on each side and, um, and what was so funny is we didn't, like, they didn't have a stage or anything built out. So we literally were on like a soapbox, you know, yeah. like the stage was like two soapboxes put together yep. that could basically hold a mic. So there was no like pantomime room. There was mm-hmm. no room for any kind of expressive, dramatic, no. no physical type comedy. It was very much like, you know... We had clip lamps, If
1: I remember correctly, we had clip lamps. So you had like a spotlight, you had a, a spot, like an interrogation light, like on you, and then you're also standing on a wooden box with a mic, uh, with like limited, uh, <laughs> limited mobility. Uh, also, for the record, yeah. my dad actually before uh, I was hosting the open mic there, uh, like about ten years before that, my dad was in the house band at the same bar. Um, and he has a completely different set of memories than I did about like the owner constantly being coked out. Like he had a whole,
2: Oh, (laughs) I can easily see that. I mean, I can see the owner being coked out or like, who knows? It might've been two owners ago, but I could see the owner, you know, basically it got sold to an Asian guy Uh who his business was beer, uh, takeout. So he wasn't really that familiar with the restaurant industry, but he knew that it was a good location. And honestly, the room was good. You know, it, w- it was a good room. It had cool windows. It looked pretty cool. Uh, and he was looking to fill it up with different kind of things. You know, mm-hmm. and obviously, open mics. One of the advantages are is that there's not a ton of setup that's needed. You know, nope. all the all the pews were already there. We only yeah, had to pews move are them and pews are there. The so let's have a party. Like in the front. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. No, the pews are there, man. So whatever, let's do it. The
2: pe- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, and, uh, you know, oh, what was her name? Robin the bartender. Mm-hmm. I think her name was Robin. Yeah, we, and near there the end there we had
1: near the end we had Bonnie, but I forget who Bonnie, the original yes, one. Bonnie. Yeah, no, we had Bonnie. Yeah. I still have a I still have a bracelet she made me that these all these black skulls and spikes. Oh, also, I just re- realized something. Um, I completely forgot about is that one for a sec, hot second there in the beginning we were doing every Wednesday, but one Wednesday a month there was a meeting for uh, a BDSM support group that I was also in um and yes it was so i absolutely
2: remember this
1: fucking confusing for people walking up the stairs because they're like oh it looks like a different meeting but Han is there and i'm just like no dude this is uh this is mast um this is an old uh, yeah this, is, this leather is something else i mean
2: <laughs> this is
1: something else i do sorry to bait you uh <laughs> I, had to, I had to like put a sign on and it was just i had to explain it because this the reverse was also true where like people don't know what night mast is and they walk in and they see me, but it's an open mic.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that was so, that was so funny. Yeah, because I I remember that and it was like... But because like, we were doing it every wednesday at that yeah, time and, and then originally uh, but yes. one wednesday they would have it or something yeah one month, month yeah. it was
1: always i think it was either one wednesday a month or it was like uh every other month or something mast has meetings um they used to do it at spaghetti warehouse and spaghetti warehouse shut down so liberties is where they moved um but it was like right around the time that i started hosting that mic there but i used to go to the spaghetti warehouse meetings um
2: yeah that's so I I definitely remember that and I remember like exactly what you're saying I remember being like uh I remember coming to the open mic and getting ready to set up and they were already there and I was like what's going on because it wasn't really communicated well by the new owner of what was going on (laughs) uh so that was like a problem with it too and I was just like Oh, I was just like, oh, Hannah, there's no mic tonight. You're like, oh, I know. I'm here for this (laughs) other thing. And I was like, oh, okay.
1: Oh my yeah, god, And just at every corner uh a troll like the, just the way they we are so cha- chaotic. Um the other thing that happened uh right out the gate with Comedy is Liberty. Uh please explain, Mike, how you brought uh the late great pro- professional wrestling ECW legend New Jack into our lives. Why explain why New Jack uh may he rest in uh, relative peace. <laughs>
2: Uh, so was he this is okay. So I was doing so I have a filmmaker background too And I was doing short films for this group called project 21 now Project 21. It was kind of like a uh, uh, An improvement on the 40 48 hour film festival where people would make an hour and 48 uh, Hours this was it was called project 21 and you made a 10-minute film in 21 days so You know, the product was obviously a lot better because people had more time to, like, focus on different kind of things. And each of your projects had to have uh, a secret, like, an element that they announced on the kickoff. So you just didn't have a film in the can that you could, like, hand in. So it it was great kind of an exercise for a lot of up-and-coming filmmakers, people who wanted to, you know, get involved in different projects. And it was a good incubator, again, to, like, for people to kind of network with each other and see what work they were doing. So I did uh, a film for that, and we had a a, a wrestler. So I didn't know that ECW was Philly-based because I'm dating myself now. But when ECW was really popular, I was in college. So Mm -hmm. I didn't know really anything uh about philly being a wrestling town or like the rise and fall of ecw but it was basically 95 to through, through 2000 was it like it's height you know it's rise and fall and that's like i said I, I, I wasn't like really in philly area that's when i was in school uh so i'm doing this film there's a, a wrestler who's who's acting in it and after we get de- we get done shooting he goes hey let's go over to uh philadelphia bar and grill uh a wrestling friend of mine's there, new jack and i was just like okay and it, and it just was super beneficial that like i, I had no idea who this was yeah uh you know what i'm saying there, there wasn't any kind of same history when i anything. met him
1: same when i oh, met him really? and i think that's why and i think that's why we got our said that is the record scratch you wonder how we got to this point um yeah <laughs> Neither of us knew who the fuck
2: he was when we met him. (laughs) Yeah, so that and so like so so we go in. I mean, it's just bar hanging out, and then obviously you know the 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 ex ex wrestler you know was like used it as a flex, like hey, I'm in this movie, you know what I'm saying? So New Jack starts talking to me, and he's like, uh, you know, obviously he he like by that point he already done like the Beyond the Mat stuff, you know, and he was just like, I'm looking to do some stand up comedy, and I was just like, well, I'm the perfect guy to talk to. I've, I've done comedy for a long time and like, I'm starting like, you know, like uh, I, I had comedy Liberty going at the time. And I was like, I have an open mic and blah, blah, blah. So we just kept talking and he was like, this is what I have. So then we just started talking on the phone and, and, and he basically kind of laid out what his act was and kind of wanted me to critique it. And I sat with him, and I kind of went over some bits. Uh, and then I was just like, start coming through. Now he moved from the South to Atlantic city, just like not long, like in that same kind of window oh, and right. he just starts showing up. So he was living in the South I think he was living in Georgia, but yeah. he moved to Atlantic yeah. city for like, he moved to Atlantic city, like in that same amount of time. So yeah. that's why he started coming up and he just started coming to the open mice because he knew, you know, we had a relationship together. And, and then in that same time, so he was doing these things, uh, these live shoots where you talk about like behind the scenes of the wrestling business and stuff. And he was one of the most popular people because he could talk shit like no other. Yeah, And uh, he was just a great on on like wrestler. So I did a, a comedy uh, sketch for this group called Living in 8-Bits, which is uh, Michael Sisian, shout out to him. He currently does work for the Phillies, but he did this like video game series where he would uh do like uh, like the old nintendo games so i had this outfit that i created that was starman from pro wrestling uh which is like the purple outfit it was basically a japanese programmer's idea of what a luchador would look like mm-hmm. uh that's what uh wikipedia says about like about them creating starman but it was a very popular game it was one of the original NES games, I created the costume and I did this sketch with uh with Michael vision for Living in Apes, and I showed it to New Jack. And then New Jack said, I'm doing a shoot, come dressed as Starman, and we'll like fuck around and we'll like do some improv stuff and it'll be funny. And I was like, okay, totally good time. And then we did that too. Uh and then after we did that, I wrote a second sketch of uh, of Starman trying to make a comeback. And it was basically kind of uh, parodying the wrestler with Mickey Rourke, uh, where they he had a feud with the guy that he was trying to get healthy to, to reignite the feud and stuff like that. And New Jack helped me with that too. Um, so yeah, we actually became friends. Like we were pretty good friends for like six months to a year. We were talking pretty consistently. He was coming to the open mics yeah. regularly and then like it was just so funny that people were just like 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 this like how the fuck are you messed yeah. up with this guy i'm like and i'm like what he's just a wrestler then I start hearing stories. <laughs> then I started hearing the mass transit thing. Oh my <laughs>
1: god! It took you that long. Now here's the deal: is that I I got the information uh, after I met him the first time because I looked him up after I met him the first. It was one of those things where I like we also became friends like super fast and we developed the, in, the we had an inside joke where we just yell no reason and high five. Do you remember that? Um, where like yeah yeah no me we just go no reason no reason and then we high five and the joke being uh it doesn't really make sense that we're friends um <laughs> just like shit for no reason but we'd also just like interjected into everything um but i basically found out like after i met him the first time and someone was just like uh d- did you know he has like um like four justified homicides i was like well too late now, uh <laughs> you want me to be like I'm sorry, sir we can't be friends anymore? No, he's like,
2: my response is only always- Myersloth is always like, "Well, he's great to me." Yeah,
1: I yeah, I don't know. I never had an issue, and I'm a, an attractive girl, and I still never had an issue. I think the the one the only thing uh, New Jack once uh, asked me for my home address, and then he mailed me a a, a book about stand up comedy in the seventies, and he autographed the entire cover uh with his name um in sharpie um you know he had no it, despite having no creative involvement in the book whatsoever um i think oh, that yeah, yeah no it was awesome and 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 also it, snail mail again it was just like a bunch of dvds and shit it was so nice of him uh it was really cool. yeah the, the the sharpie autograph on the front of the book that's like not related to anything is fucking great um but you know again may he may he rest in peace for that chapter but and then you know i eventually i got i got him on pig j okerson's podcast and that was like one of the most ridiculous first impressions you can make on new york comedy they're like how who are you how is this happening i'm like idk let me sit in the back of comedy cellar for free i'm crazy i don't <laughs>
2: yeah yeah no that, that is such a weird trump card to be like oh yeah by the way i did this because yeah. it's like it's him who's nuts. And then I'm in a Starman outfit, which is completely bananas. Uh-huh. And people are just like, like if you've never seen it before, people are like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like the people who've seen it, I mean, it got great reaction. People yeah. really loved it. They thought it was really funny. Uh, and then one of the fans, uh, I think his name is J.R. Preston, who was like a New Jack fan. Actually, he did the little New Jack stuff where he would animate some like either shoots or interviews or different kind of stuff that new Jack would do and like raise the voice, but the animations were very funny. And then he did one for that, uh, of the shoot that I did with them. That was very funny too. So it was like, it was that in combination. Uh, uh, it was great, you know, like, and, and when new Jack rolled through back to Philly, we met up, we had a couple, we met a fat Tuesdays, had a couple drinks. Uh, and I mean, like, it's tough for wrestlers to, to, to have, I mean, you've heard the horror stories. When oh yeah. No, no I'm still more. pretty,
1: uh, I'm still pretty connected to that community. Cause I, um, I cast a lot of uh, wrestlers to be in Kate's bunker, both the live version and the recorded podcast. So like, yeah. and uh, Like, and I mean, the, yeah.
2: As far as like, uh, lives and stuff he 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 like i'm just glad he didn't like suffer you know like yeah. he, like he was able to still like walk around like be normal like uh okay i mean and it was it was a shame because he was very funny on mic but he did not pursue comedy or acting uh as as much as he could have uh because he couldn't see like the the like when he was like looking at the stuff on the on the on the uh on on the page a lot of times he couldn't see it like he couldn't concentrate on like on words like very consistently uh and i knew that was one of the reasons so i mean he was just a great off the top guy that you'd be like hey this is what i need you to do and he could just do it very much free flow kind of a thing but like you know i i know that um that that was one of the reasons that would that and it was a shame, you know. And I and one of my regrets is I always wanted to do a sketch with New Jack where like um someone accidentally rear ends him and then he's being polite and like, We gotta exchange insurance yeah. but he's obviously yeah. all like completely insane yeah. New Jack.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. I actually uh and I I, I sort of um I mean, I don't know if I'm gonna say I regret this, but uh, he like there's a part in the Brooklyn Battle comedy in IWTV that he had originally agreed to, where all of the wrestlers were. It was just a rejection reel of a lot of like fairly well known wrestlers just going, "We don't want to be in this movie." Um, and it's like a super cut and there's a lot of people in it. He was supposed to be the only person to turn us down nicely, but then there was a bit of a uh, uh, zeitgeist. I don't know if you know this, uh, but his uh, he had a son that's a drag queen that he disowned for being a drag queen but then uh washington heights in her glory got a gig editing for wikipedia so she made sure that her presence is always in his uh like like new jack's wikipedia page always has to say that washington heights is his son Um, because, yeah, so it was this whole, it was this whole thing, and I am the first to admit that drawing any kind of ethical line after the amount of time I had already known and worked with New Jack then was a little bit silly of me. Um, but I, I don't think I would have made a different decision at the time, especially because it was me and it was the rest of a production staff that had to make that call. Um, right. but, yeah. but it would have been really funny because the rest of the rejection reel is like, no, come on, no, you guys suck. Who are you? Whatever. And then we were going to have and be like, oh, no, I'm sorry, man. I got this baby shower. And like, <laughs> I'm like, man, uh, but you know, if they, if there's any lesson to be learned from that, it's to, you know, remember that not everyone will be here forever. I mean, try to stay as true yes. to your principles as you can. Try as true to your principles as you can. Again, if handed that decision again, I'm probably, I'm pretty sure I would have made the same decision still, especially considering it's not just about me and my friendship. It's about the production as a whole and how it's being received and everything like that. Um, so I, I probably would have done that same thing again, but at the same time, I always wonder, and I'm always like, you know, you never know where people are going to be. And that's also what Washington Heights said when he passed is like that she was shit, you know, maybe some things had gone different, but I don't, I definitely don't want to speak for her. Um, but yeah, 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 right
2: No, it's, 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 uh, and, and, and that's the thing. So Andre, like to bring up Andre Bennett again, mm-hmm. he shot the, the sketch that I did with New Jack, Um, and this, this is so ridiculous because, and so at the end of the sketch, the Starman sketch, I'm like, uh, it was before. And, uh, it was basically ECW was gone, but they were still putting together, uh, independent shows and he was on it. So we did the sketch before, like while they were setting up and doing Mm -hmm. stuff. And then he was just there to be in the show. We were just like, watched it. So we're getting, we're done. We're in the, I'm in the locker room with Andre And then Boss Mahoney comes in and New Jack starts beating the brakes off Boss Mahoney backstage. (laughs) And I'm like, holy shit. And I look over to Andre, I was like, start filming this. And he's already gone, ran out the room. And I'm like, ah
1: shit. That's because Andre uh, knew that it could get really. Uh, he could be a, like a, have to testify if he stays too long, depending on how mad New Jack was on any given day. Like,
2: well, but, well but, but plus, yeah. uh, like Andre was a huge wrestling fan, so right. he knew all the backstory. Right,
1: of right. How
2: potentially dangerous New Jack <laughs> exactly, could be. Exactly. So he's like. Yeah, I'm not getting caught up in this wake of potential lunacy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was it was it was so nuts. And then we went out uh, for the show, and it was it was a wild show. Like I've never experienced. It was my first and only like real like independent. You know, where like the crowd was just like uh, nuts, and the welcome back chants, and the, this shit rocks, and all that stuff. All the chants were so fun and ridiculous, and yeah, it it was uh, it was interesting to see. And I can only imagine because th- that was a shadow of what ECW was, which mm-hmm. I, anyone I talked to, yeah, were you at, ever at an ECW show?
1: Uh, no, I actually, uh, I have not been to an ECW show. I, did not, I did, I not, mean, I did not go who during I the know, time. Yeah, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, and I, I'm also, it, 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 was, I, like, it took a while for me to get into wrestling, but at the time I might have been, like, young enough that I would have been, like, ew, blood! Um, so, yeah. <laughs> like, it, 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 took, it took me a while for me to get, like, deathmatch wrestling is something that I was only, like, really watching in the last five or six years, but, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I watched New Jack's matches in particular, uh, I think that the one that was, like, his, his last one, or at least one that he pronounced to be his last one, um, th- it, there was this one moment where, like, all, everybody had been cleared out, all of the chairs were knocked over, and there's, like, blood everywhere and then there's this like one boy who looks like he's 10 kind of standing alone in the chaos frozen and i'm like i hope that kid's okay um
0: because he was just
1: like i was like no dad anywhere this kid's standing there i don't know why i was like wow i'm like that kid's either completely desensitized and he's fine or like this is his back this is his, his origin story Or telling about
2: it right now.
1: Yeah, this is his fucking origin story. He's Like I couldn't move. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: There's
1: blood everywhere. Uh, yeah, um, you know, hopefully But yeah, having
2: having that relationship with somebody like that, mm-hmm. it was so it was super fun. It gave us credit, it gave the room uh, some credibility. Yeah, that was fun. It gave fun. us the
1: funniest goddamn open mic street cred you could possibly have it's so fucking funny like no there's no yeah. reason for us to have that also it added to the the lore of the room for uh, l-o-r-e but also l-u-r-e now that i really think about it but the um <laughs> the the yeah the uh lore of the room had you know the whole thing of like people going up and trying to say shit that sounded kind of racist. Uh, but then new Jack would sit there and go, ha. Every time it was like a black <laughs> joke, he'd have his arms folded and he'd go like, ha! ha, ha, ha.
0: And it was,
1: and you could see them like shitting themselves. Um, also Eddie Finn's, uh, second standup set ever is uh, Eddie Finn is a frequent comedy as Liberty attendee. I just went to his 30th birthday show, um he and he he started at his comedy at comedy is Liberty because he was 19 Liberty, yeah. he yeah he was he was 19 and he was allowed to be upstairs um because right of his own yeah,
2: his mom, yeah his mom his mom DM me she mm-hmm. was just like hey can he come through and I was like yeah and that was and that's the other part that's mm-hmm. like so but amazing yeah. that like we did we broke we broke some people in in their first mm-hmm. time and like you know uh, definitely a lot of people came up to me and said it was their favorite mic and like yeah. you know, so it,
1: it was a big was impact definitely like, uh, but what yeah. i was specifically referencing is that his second time doing stand-up was following new jack um and oh, that's
2: great.
1: <laughs> he says that all the time he's like yeah he was up there doing material about killing people and i was up there going like uh, my brother's mean sometimes <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. What's the deal with Netflix?
1: Yeah, what's going on? (laughs) Dating's hard. Um, Yeah, right. It just just makes it, and you know, so you have to imagine we have that, we have the falling apart stage, we have, no, not falling apart stage, we have the box stage and then the pews. Um, And then we had, uh, there there was two waves of... um, I don't know if I want to call it failing upward, but there's two waves of us getting new stages built around us um, when we did not do anything about that. Um, can, the Bourbon and Branch stage. So, it, like, can you can you talk about when it changed hands to Bourbon and Branch? Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. So, so uh, Han Chang was his name, uh, the, the delivery guy, uh, the takeout guy who bought Liberties, and he just didn't know the bar business, so he was like all right, I, I've kind of had enough. This is going to take more money than I'm willing to sink into it. I'm looking to sell. So he ended up selling to this organization out of a couple of restaurants, and they changed the name to Bourbon and Branch, and they actually put some effort into the, the upstairs where they revamped it. They put a stage uh, in there that was, like, nice because they wanted to get music acts, and they actually had a guy booking uh rooms and stuff like that so it was good and it was bad because uh it was good that they put the effort in and and the quality of the the room was good but at the same time they were looking to get their money back on that and booking as much uh many acts where you had to pay at the door so like music stuff anything that you could get in like actually people would pay they would bump us so we were always last on the list and the writing was kind of on the wall after a little while that uh it it wasn't going to keep it wasn't going to work out there um so you know it was good while it lasted it was good to see the upgrade but at the same time it didn't last long because we kept getting bumped for like when i was asking what night it was and they were like, well, maybe we should charge people. And I was like, it doesn't. Open mics, as you know, do not work You you charge people.
1: No, it. nobody's going to go. And it's Indeed. also kind yeah. of uh, borderline immoral because the only people that are going to pay to go up at an open mic are, like, uh, people that are, like, new enough that they don't understand how things work. So you're essentially scamming them um yeah so right exactly it's yeah, not yeah things. it's not cool to so. do that um i i will say yeah it was cool because for a hot second there we had the stage they're like okay you're grandfathered in you can do one wednesday a month or something like that because like wait i think it was only weekly for a hot second before it went to monthly um but yeah that was another change yeah, that was yeah,
2: another change bro. it went,
1: it went we to monthly when we went to bourbon and branch yeah um right, or re- not right. when we went to but when it uh it, it coalesced this is the beginning. I mean, it's always funny that we've always got some kind of weirdness with the stage. There was a second there where the steps were really bad, and I think also a second there were people using a tree stump to get onto stage. Am I am I remembering that right? I remember stepping uh, on a tree stump to get up to that stage. Like
2: that's funny. I I, I, don't, I don't remember that. I it, I mean I I tried to keep it safe. Uh, but yeah, we, no, that was never up party. to us,
1: though. It was the venue. Yeah, it was... yeah,
2: yeah.
1: It's was... <laughs> it like we either had to... And then the room itself also had the, like, run down two tiny steps up a couple steps, and then you get into the room, and then
2: well, get that, up onto well, the That's center. the thing, though. That was the thing. I do remember this. I do remember when they first built out the stage. I mean, it was very much for musical kind of acts, and that's what they were thinking, which is only one time on, one time off, you know, mm-hmm. where an open mic is, person comes off, person comes off, person comes off, person come off, off, like, yeah. a million different times. So uh, it's a very different animal of, True. like, what you have to worry about, True. steps-wise. Uh, yeah,
1: no, they're not, they weren't quite uh, looking for uh, safety or anything like that. Um, so, and then uh, there's also a lot of weird carpeting on the stage. I think they, like, they, they didn't quite have it, you know, they, there was a lot of, like, reclaimed wood hipster nonsense happening everywhere like they kept trying to replace various pieces of furniture with stumps um that was why we were climbing on a stump there was at least one day where we had that and then there was like there was a stump on the stage uh that people were using as a stool um and then there's like also like christmas lights at one point but it was also a lot of random carpet if i remember correctly there was like five carpets on that stage, yeah, it didn't totally match.
2: And and random and random storage stuff because there's yeah. stuff from the bar that like anything that kinda of was overflow downstairs would, mm-hmm. would make its way up there too. Yeah, uh,
0: and
1: then there was an yeah. additional attic. Sometimes comics would sit on the steps that led up to the attic. I forgot there's a third floor. The third floor is where my dad said, legend has it, uh, the owner, when my dad was around, was like, that was the cocaine room, was the third floor. Um, oh, yeah. But,
2: that, that. I mean, it looks like a cocaine room, because yeah. we definitely had some comics up there. Because that's the thing, I did put together, so we, I put together two weekend shows there, Tommy Pope uh, headlined one, Chip Chantry headlined the other one, and it was fun, you know, and and, and for those, obviously, they were on Saturdays and sold tickets, did the whole thing, uh, and it was great. It was, it, you know, it was, it was fun to have that, and it was like you said, you know, like, just being part of a room, you have a little more cachet when you go to other people's open mics, you know, and you're and you're getting sharper faster because you're writing for the mic, uh, and uh, and you're able to do fun things. Like, when it went to monthly, I think it was weekly for the first uh, Two or three years. Yeah. Uh, no, it, it was weekly monthly. for a
1: while. I think it turned monthly because of Bourbon and Branch. Like, yeah, I, right. I think yeah, that yeah. That's, that's why it was when it changed hands. But, um, it ended up being, like, a happy ending for us because then that is when we had our, our second make, stage makeover that was just pure... Not, this wasn't dumb luck because if we weren't good, uh, Lauren wouldn't have offered us the room. But Lauren upgraded us to the Trocadero. Uh, Lauren, uh, do you know yeah, how to pronounce so that, his last name? Or, yeah.
2: Lauren Lepre. Uh, Lepre. Yeah, Leprey. Lauren Lepre. So Lauren yeah. Lepre is a uh, filmmaker friend of mine who uh you know who i also kind of knew for project 21 and he uh fucked around in the wrestling game too for a while like he he kind of went to ecw shows and and knew some of those guys and everything Damn. else but i put him in something and then uh and then we knew each other he he's actually done a couple cool documentaries he did pa hardcore which he traveled all around pennsylvania going to like venues and uh punk bands and interviewing all of them to talk about the hardcore uh punk scene in pennsylvania i don't know what windows what window he was covering i know it was like 90-ish 2000-ish but uh i'm not exactly sure uh but it's cool uh, i saw some of it it's definitely cool and then he did a, a feature film called the dark military so we were friends from you know filmmaking and stuff and he used to do nice short films at the downstairs of the truck so he knew the people there and he knew we were losing uh, uh bourbon and brand to our location. And he literally approached me, you know, so I went from, huh, what are we going to do to, hey, you know, you could probably put it in the upstairs. I'll talk to them. And then I talked yeah. to them, and, you know, they were like, yeah, do it. Monthly? Got it. No problem. I'll yeah, play. which yeah. is
1: wild, because the truck is 50 times better venue than Bourbon & Branch could have ever aspired to be. Um, it's, like, a, a beautiful. It is It is currently shut down. However, it is no longer sad. Uh, I don't know if you know the update on the ownership of the truck, um, but it's a, it's a I, couple I hundred
2: there was I heard it was a grant. Isn't there a grant yeah. in in play right now? Yeah,
1: here's the deal, is that the truck, It is. this is the happiest ending I could have possibly found for it being shut down because I was devastated when it was shut down in 2019. It's a beautiful performance venue. Uh, look it up on, there's plenty of history articles about it. It's like... 300 years it's from like the 1800s it's been an opera house it's been a burlesque house it's been a chinese movie theater uh but it shut down uh not able to make enough money in its uh then incarnation as a primary like a rock venue i went to like dracula's ball the big goth to do every year was there there's bdsm parties there there's comedy there like a, a burke Kreischer taped his special there i went to see dan soder tape a special there uh duncan trussell came through real underrated as like, like big Bigger comedy names and a lot of really great people um, performing there. And it's a legendary venue. Um... And it shut down, and I was devastated in 2019, but happy ending. Wealthy Chinese investor has shown up and wants to preserve it as a historical legacy of Chinatown, which means they are going to fix the building, which is good, because as cool as it was as a rock venue, we were treating that building like shit. It was falling apart. Is a mosh place. Moshing is not good for buildings. <laughs>
0: So, well, I mean, just yeah. just
2: in general, <laughs> venues get the shit kicked out of them yeah. money when, when their specialty is, like, rock and, yeah, like, exactly. you know, different stuff, and you're, and you're rocking shows there all the time. And, and, we and knew that's those. the thing. We were in the upstairs, but there was the upstairs and the downstairs that, yeah. like, did stuff and everything else. Uh... But, yeah, it was great to be part of the history, absolutely. Oh,
1: yeah, it's cool that we were, like, at at the end of its life, and we had a great show there. It was also awesome that that room had this magical quality where the comedy booker only showed up on days we were packed. I don't know how that happened. It was every single time. Every single time that guy came through, the guy who's responsible for, you know, booking uh, you know like Duncan Trussell and all these like stand up comedy tapings he wasn't there every time and we weren't uh, we we had solid attendance like most of the time uh, every once in a while you have a dead night but for some right. reason every single time that guy just happened to be there we were packed and I was just like this is the magic of the room it wants us to stay um, we had a killer bartender we had Bobby but yeah it was uh, we, we got upgraded it was still monthly uh, but we didn't have to have a cover charge like and and then you know it just started seeming even more ridiculous because you know after truck lets you have to have no cover charge we're like what the fuck is up bourbon and branches ass um that well yeah
2: but yeah i get get that but at the same time like it it was where they were like i think they kind of knew that they were at the end of the rope so there's like all right we might as well just throw this in here and get get some revenue in the door because (laughs) we know that the end is near. Whereas Mm -hmm. Bourbon and his branch were like, we just put a shitload of money in the stage. We want to try and get our investment back. So, I mean, you know, it wasn't, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? It all worked Mm -hmm. out the the way it was. And the best, the the, the funniest, I mean, you talk about steps at the other place. Oh uh, yeah. The Trocadero (laughs) was nuts because the steps were right in the front, but there were steps to the side and multiple people Tried to go from the steps on the side to the stage, but there was this wooden cutout and they would clip their shoulder. I'll never forget finale uh, Brian Fennell, a stand-up comedy uh, guy who's hilarious, very funny. Mm-hmm. But he did that clip like went down. And then remember the other guy that your dick is so ugly guy? Oh yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Russell Hubley, Um he does a joke where he uh, jumps off stage and points at every single guy and yells, Your dick is ugly. I don't remember what the exact punchline was, but he, he's memorable for it. Um but he uh definitely fell off the stage. We had we know we had some spills. Uh, we right?
2: <laughs> I think that was the worst one. That was that the worst dude, one. Because most people fell on their way up because they tried to go from the side steps right to the stage and yeah. like clip the uh, venue. Uh-huh. But he was on stage uh-huh. and there weren't that many people in the gal. Because how it's set up is like there's uh a galley of like tables down below then there's a bar to the side with a bunch of uh mm-hmm. uh barstools and the, the majority of the crowd was at the bar on the bar barstool so he's just like mm-hmm. i want to talk to you guys because you're where the crowd is and just miss uh allocated how much he just didn't calculate the and gap went, yeah yeah it no, went that... totally down Nobody oh my god the I was... gap
1: yeah no the, the the arrangement we had was some M C Escher nonsense with like arches and like the bar was elevated above where the show floor was and then the stage was at a different elevation so you had you kind of had like yeah and then the, the right the sound booth was also at its own separate elevation kind of like raised yeah. up with its own <laughs> stairs and i was like perched up there and then the, you, you had to walk up a pretty damn long staircase to get to the room in the first place so we, it was like we we just kept Getting new video game levels as we ascended through the ranks of Combee's Liberty locations. <laughs> we just
2: kept yeah, adding, We
1: just kept adding hazards.
2: <laughs> oh my just... god! But I'll never, I'll never forget because my brother yeah. was actually at that show that he fell off that stage, and like everybody was like, <gasps>
0: yeah.
2: "Holy shit!" It, it was like, it was jo- you know, there was always, and there was always one of those. There was and that's what I love the most about it. I mean, there was always like at least a line of the night or a moment of the night, you know, that like kept people coming back and kept people remembering it, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I loved it. I loved doing it. And the fact that we were both able to do it is it's definitely a blessing.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, like you want to run down some, uh, comedy is Liberty moments with me. Uh, like what, what, like we, we could just alternate, like what, what's one you have? Like,
2: uh, definitely, <laughs> you're doing so that you fall off the stage. Uh, uh-huh. Definitely New Jack. And then definitely the Drew Garrison. Do you have that one? The lotion oh, prop? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, no. The Drew Garrison, who is also a voice actor in Kate's Bunker. Um, He plays uh, Reverend White, who's a, a, a alien, uh alien preacher for Spider Church, that, uh, li- which is a, a pyramid scheme organization. I, I have to explain Kate's Bunker to you uh, later <laughs> uh, at, off this call. <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, it, J- Drew Garrison. In the voice of uh, Reverend White, uh, a Southern a preacher for an alien spider pyramid scheme religion, um, he is uh, he did a stand-up bit that involved a a jacking off act out where he bought, he brought lotion and sprayed it everywhere. And it was magical and unexpected. Um, Yeah. It (laughs) was
2: definitely performance art.
1: (laughs) It was, it was magical. And that was in the original location too. I think it might've been like, we might've still had church pews when he did the, uh, yeah, he
2: hit the pew with the lotion. Yeah.
1: He hit the church pew with the fake, uh, the, the symbolic skeet um the, the figurative skeet uh <laughs> um yeah i uh, of moments that i remember uh there is the time that i had a guy come in that like was dragging a, a clock on a leash like a pet like a wall clock like an analog wall clock um and he had it on a chain um, like an actual length of metal chain and he was dragging it behind him everywhere and then he like asked me what time was before I went on stage like what well, your perception of time is and I gave him some hippie answer he was like alright and then he like dragged it like we call him up and he dragged it on stage with him I still have a picture of him standing on stage with the mic and like I'm pretty sure he didn't do that great um, but he had a <laughs> clock on a leash like a pet um, and <laughs> I yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, there that, was the that's
1: time, Oh, there was the time that all of your friends, who I, I remained friends with after the fact, um, a uh, a whole group of people showed up because they had all just rage quit a haunted house together. Like the audience was like mostly oh, that yeah was, that was uh, yeah yeah I love the I I love that crew I still uh, Dave Ferrier uh, I still yeah Dave
2: Ferrier. yeah Dave Ferrier
1: yeah yeah no great. I still uh, see him and he I saw ran into him at Zombie Crawl later they're all like goth and into special effects makeup but um yo no better audience than rowdy group of scare actors that all just quit Eastern State Penitentiary as a group that was that was fucking right that was yeah that was hilarious
2: uh Uh i think uh i remember peggy o'leary having the great line she's like i get it you have purple hair you're interesting (laughs) <laughs> we really
1: were at the crossroads uh there, there was just like no rhyme or reason to who was showing up at our open mic it was kind of awesome like we had a lot of i think i noticed about uh, from our mic we had a lot more people coming from the rest of pennsylvania a lot of the mics kind of stuck to like philly scene and we're a little bit more on the clicky side but our mic we seemed to get chaos like bussing in from allentown and shit and there was also a lot more like older people rolling through like there was this one dude that went up, he signed up as Ray baby. And I, I don't know if he ever actually performs as that because I know that that's something that's a reference to something else I'm sure. Um, but yeah, he signed up as Ray baby and his entire bit was about, uh, how to select what kind of cheesesteak if you're going to fuck a cheesesteak. Um, and uh, <laughs> like right. there's no, and the-, the best,
2: the best, well, the best was like your line, uh, that you mm-hmm. used to say, uh, you're like if your rape joke doesn't work here it doesn't work.
1: Yeah, it, it's <laughs> I used true. To love it's that true that line.
2: It was so funny. It's true. It so yo, I said that kind of thing. stuff
1: all the way. I was just like, listen, this is a chaos mic. Um we're not always uh, going to be 100% Peyton in the lines uh but yo, if you're yeah, exactly. If your rape joke doesn't work here, if your your racist shit is bombing here, it's not the audience, okay? It's yeah. you. It's <laughs> yeah. it's fucking you because we're we are all over the goddamn place it's just like because we had actual we usually had actual audience too you know um yeah well that was was the best
2: part about like
1: yeah that was the
2: best part of being eclectic the fact that like i was doing films and had actor friends and and you know i was going to kind of networking things in that regard and then you had the rocky horror stuff and you were connected with you know uh, a younger kind of a group so we had a good mix Mm-hmm. Of uh, people who wanted to come out, and 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 some of the older guy, like some of the more seasoned comedians too, who wanted to do that kind of room to see mm-hmm. what kind of reaction their stuff would get too. So it it, it had that aspect that people wanted to judge uh, that reaction, and I thought it was you know uh, for room. You know, I think I, I think more people did well, and this is this is one of the, one of the things I'm I'm kind of proud of too is that we openly talked about uh, list stuff. Because obviously, so for anyone who runs an open mic or is familiar with it, the list is is the most difficult part for the people who are running the mic to manage. Because there's people there that want to laugh. And you're balancing that with comedians that want to try new stuff. So you want the comedians to be able to try new stuff, but then the audience to enjoy themselves enough to come back. So, uh, you know, being able to have those conversations because there was a lot of mics at the time that you would sign up for and they would just not go by the list at all. And we kind of developed a hybrid method. We're like, and we would tell people in the beginning, and this is another thing that I liked that we did, where when we when we did the mic, I did stuff first or you did stuff first and then, or, and then you would call me or I would call you and then you would do stuff and then start the open mic. So both of the hosts got their stuff out of the way so they weren't really trying to riff that much in each meeting.
1: No, we weren't monopolizing. It was never about us. It was always about getting people up. We were also always giving people five minute sets, and we tried to go in order ish, but not have like a completely stone cold heart about like uh, my you know I have to go pick up my kids shit like that because we know we want that mixed group in there. Um. The, but the main thing is. That but we, but also,
2: yeah. and you know this, if somebody fucking sucks. Yeah, you try to get somebody that you know can get the crowd back. so yeah. somebody else might get bumped, and I mean uh, that's just managing the room and mm-hmm. like, but like say, we would say that in the beginning, it's like we, we go in in order ish, you know, like yeah, exactly. you won't get, if you if you sign up here and you're second, you will not go thirtieth, you know, no. like we will try to get you in a kind of roundabout mm-hmm. way, but like you know, because uh, we also wanted to respect. The people that show up early do sign mm-hmm. do sign up, yeah. and there was a weird kind of thing that way, too, where it's like you try to help people out who do reach out and text and say, hey, can you get me on the list and everything else? Uh, so, yeah, it was always managing, but, like, you know, you do the best you can, and I thought the comedians respected that, and I mm-hmm. think that it's, le- it's left a legacy that people who run mics like uh, try to at least address the issue of the list, and either if they're not going in order of the list, they, they they're upfront about it, and uh, and hopefully the one you know they, they they try to at least do what we did, you know.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and I always liked about us that like we were tried our best to not just bump people because somebody came in the room and like was like I'm important they let me go up first at all the other mics so why don't you let me go up first kind of a thing because there's a lot of other mics that were people stocked the list with their friends up top um i don't think it's like this as much as it used to be at all uh because there's a younger generation that's not going to put up with that kind of shit you know especially like the, the 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 generation that coined nepo baby is not into people getting special treatment because they're you know their friend runs the mic so it's like the same 20 people up top at every single mic um and it, they, they the reasoning they use is the same thing you're talking about like yeah we still have to keep the crowd going but the comics aren't, you know, despite what you may have heard, they, they're not stupid. If you go up and you talk to them and say, hey, we would love to do it like this, but we have to keep, there's still an audience here, so we have to keep it funny. Let us work with you. And they, they're fine with that. You don't have to, like, yeah, and, and, baby them. It's not necessary. And, and, and another
2: thing that we did that nobody else did, and I don't think anybody will do this again, Yeah. Uh, is that if you went last, we would say, Come next week and you can go when you like you could pick your spot. Yeah, shop. you
1: pick your spot. Yeah, exactly. If you had to go last, you should be able to come back and pick your spot the next week. And that that really helped yeah. with the comics too. That's like something HR would call that like good employee retention or some shit. Like, you know, that's Yeah, that, no, yeah.
2: exactly. That like just just uh, realizing that we know what it's like to go on last. It mm-hmm. fucking sucks. We've all done it. You know, so it's like if you have to be time. that guy, mm-hmm. you know, then then that's the way it is. But Cashing then that money tricky. in the bank
1: suitcase, baby, do it. Yeah, <laughs> but, but then it like- start
2: getting tricky because. P- like like. then we had to be like okay even though another guy is coming on last this guy is still going to be the guy who gets to pick a shot yeah. because people would come in yeah. at the very end after they were doing other open bikes and was like yeah you can go up because I want you to go up you know, you know and, and usually they were very good comedians who yeah. were either on a show or doing something or whatever so like you know if chris cotton walked in the room i'm like get the fuck up there i want another r.i.p i want to hear, you. hear your shit you know mm-hmm. so uh r.i.p cotton you know mm-hmm. one of the legends that that rolled through comedy
1: yeah, no, there's so many cool people. Bill Reich started doing stand-up at our show as a, a, a local Philly comic. Um, He's an awesome dude. He started doing stand-up on his show, our show because uh, his first set was him drunk, just sitting on our stage, melting down about his breakup, and then he just kept doing stand-up comedy, and it was great. Oh, um,
2: dude, I remember that. Yeah. Who was that, Bill Miller? Who Reich. Who was
1: that? Right. uh or, oh, okay. yeah it, i i still remember that yeah and then we
2: dude i were- uh, you talked about memories wow i forgot that one until you said it and mm-hmm. now it's like visually playing in front oh, of yeah. my head yeah yeah oh no he was God. sitting there
1: he was he was really emotional and melting down but also just like doing just real fuck it self-deprecating man i just got dumped but then he just kept coming back and then he started getting booked he started doing stand-up yeah um, and he
2: wrote a play and he's mm, done some things i'm yeah. just proud of him by the end yeah
1: Dude, rocks. Yeah. Uh, I also, um, for Comedy is Liberty, that's also, Comedy's is Liberty is where I met Chanel, and I met her early. I remember it was when we were at Bourbon and Branch already, um, because yes! the first time I yes. saw her, she was on an actual stage, but I still remember what bit it was where she was talking about, like, you know, her nephew was, like, too good at like like her nephew grabbed onto her boobs or something and she she's like how do you know how to do that or something like it was the it, it, like i still remember like i wish i could quote the better bit better than that because now it sounds creepy but,
2: yeah you're butchering it
1: yeah i know i know i completely <laughs> fucked it up chanel is an amazing comedian she's also a kate spunker voice actor plays my a character's ex-wife maya um concert violinist uh it's it, that <laughs> <laughs> like i guess oh my god there's yeah, so gotta many people that are case- yeah there's so many people that are case bunker actors now that i just like met in uh early phases of comedy um steve miller miller gets a separate episode because we still work together oh my like, god
2: is he doing how much stuff is he doing for case bunker is he doing a lot
1: oh he's toe hogan um our 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 basement joe rogan parody character um and he's still oh, I mean, he's a staple he's always gonna be there um
2: ah, oh, i love it i love a- uh He's a dude I miss. He was so weird that I love. And then that's the thing like mm-hmm. seeing people just do the art, just do the art form and be totally bananas and totally weird. And Steve Miller, Miller, number one, I love the name like uh, mm-hmm. Steve Miller, who's like a famous musician, famous, you know, Steve Miller band. But like Steve Miller, Miller, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and just his whole thing like, and then obviously Truth or Elvis when you did Truth or Thy oh, Party. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. classic indeed. Sport- clarion. Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't know if I'm releasing your episode before or after his. Uh, Maybe maybe after, because Comedy is Li- technically, Comedy is Liberty ran until I was already living in New York when Comedy is Liberty ended. Because I, I moved
0: to New York. Yeah, yeah I was, and that was the thing I was about commuting. the truck, too. Yeah, the, yeah, the, truck, the truck was truck next to the Chinatown
1: bus. Yeah, the truck was next exactly. to the Chinatown bus, so I could just drive down. Uh, when I w- I moved to New York in 2017. The truck da- shut down in 2019, um so i was co- commuting to host this open mic for two years because it was that good to me i would miss several because of the traffic occasionally blocking me coming out of the tunnel and at the time i was also director of human resources for a chain of barber shops <laughs> there's a reason yes. there's a damn memoir podcast i have to i'm trying to keep all this shit straight um yeah but uh, but yeah. Anyway, Steve. Just so you know, Steve lived happily ever after. He just got uh, married. Um, he had a he had a Star Wars wedding uh, at the um, Akron, Ohio City Hall at ten o'clock in the morning on a Thursday. Um, I I did not get the Zoom link for that. There's a bunch of when it was like this year. It was like May the fourth nice. this year. He that May on May the fourth, a bunch of people had like Star Wars Justice of the Peace weddings in Akron, Ohio at the same time um and he got a local news article for it uh but he lives in Delaware him and hubby live in Delaware <laughs>
2: nice <laughs> yeah. awesome awesome yeah I love that he did like the monumental waste of time stuff and all the mm-hmm. stuff he did at uh Laughcast uh when that was going you know oh, and I, I do Laughcast I love... fuck yeah Laughcast
1: those my days. god
2: exactly. I was on a lot of those and shows. remember uh he had open mic Jesus, which I mean, like you gotta right. post the link to that. Like oh somewhere. yeah, oh no, yeah. No um, he
1: had a he had a meme page that is just the most aggressive playing to the back of the room. That was just nothing but uh, pictures of Jesus imagery and then uh, fucking uh, quotes that open mic, open mic open mic jokes comedy that open you mic hear.
2: jokes. Yeah. yeah it was, oh it God, was uh it. yeah
1: no like, like my favorite and, like, one is and, like, like i'm gonna get out of here on this jesus? and he's like getting crucified yeah. yeah i'm
2: yeah i remember the one like it's jesus whispering in a, in a guy's ear and then the caption is to then you
1: yeah too,
2: then you. <laughs> <laughs> super funny but uh but all right i mean uh I love it. I love the catching up. It's mm-hmm. great to uh, great to talk to you. I hope you're doing well. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm in Connecticut now. But when I'm when I'm in New York, uh, definitely reach out. And uh, and when you're when you know when you're living there full time or whatever, like uh, and if you want to stop by, so I'm doing stuff for football season uh, with Corhan at uh, uh, in Oak Lane. We have Oak Lane Studio, eight sixteen Oak Lane. Uh, we run a bunch of podcasts out of there. Kensel's doing a podcast out of there. Oh, uh, shit. Okay. he brings some and stuff so so yeah swing through when you're in the philly area reach out to Corhan. uh we're doing stuff there i I'm, I'm doing like this uh betting character for football season called uh jimmy kool-aid so you'll be seeing uh some content <laughs> jimmy for
1: that. awesome all right well yeah. uh we we should wrap up here but that this is it has been fantastic catching up uh thank you so much mike it was great talking
2: to you yeah much. absolutely i'm glad we were able to do what we did like i yeah. said like beyond just the fun that we had uh and the connections we were able to make and like, like you said, like being the first, people's first time, I definitely got off on that being, mm-hmm. you know, we were the first time they did stand Uh, but like the list stuff, uh, and different kind of things like that we introduced, I think, uh, I think some of it has, and still maintains to this day, uh, through Philadelphia comedy. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I definitely think that we contributed to the scene and we have a lot to be proud of, you know, and I'm just I happy really about do. it, you know, Yeah, so...